You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. It's a very familiar psalm. It's actually one of my favorites, if not my favorite psalm. I certainly would have loved to hear this psalm sung and the music that was written to go along with it. I'm sure it was beautiful. Psalm 139. Follow along as I read. I'll read down to verse 18 and then I'll jump to the last two verses. Question I'll ask you this morning is this Do you know why you exist? O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sittings and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but thou, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven... Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about thee, about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, But the night shineth as the day, and darkness as the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, even when I was made in the secret, in the curious wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance are fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand when I wake I am still with thee. Verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing your word. Now I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word and you would bless your people as they hear your word speak into our hearts today in a, in a powerful way. 
and change us. Help us to realize why we exist. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there are some pretty important uh, questions that need to be answered in life. The most important question, I believe, was asked by the Philippian jailer, and that question was, what must I do, what? To be saved. That is the most important question that you can answer. What do I have to do to be saved? Besides that, I believe there's three other very important questions that every one of us need to answer in life. Question number one, who are you? Have you ever heard someone say, you know, I'm just trying to find myself. Who are you? The second question that we'll consider today is, why are you here? What is your purpose in life? Why, why do you exist? Do you know the answer to that question? And next week, if the Lord allows us to and He hasn't returned, we're going to talk about the third question, and that is, where are you going when you die? Pretty important question, right? So who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? I'm going to attempt to answer those questions biblically this week and then on in to next week if the Lord so allows us to do so. And we're going to answer them from a biblical perspective. We're not going to answer them from the world's point of view, but we're going to answer them from God's point of view. Listen, the world will answer every one of those questions wrong. But praise God, we have His revelation. We have His inspired Word. Thy Word is truth. And we can look into the Word of God and we can find an answer to every one of those life's questions And that's what we're going to do today and perhaps next week. So the first question, who am I? Do you know who you are? Throughout Scripture, we have this question asked of God. David asked it, Job asked it, other writers of Scripture asked this question. What is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him? When you think of the holiness of God and the righteousness of God and the goodness of God and you think about the depravity of man, the sinfulness of man, what is man that God would even be mindful of us, that he would even think upon us, much less think good towards us? Job said, what is man that thou shouldest magnify him? Why in the world would God ever magnify a sinful person like you and me? And thou shouldest set thine heart upon him. God, why did you set your heart upon sinful man? David goes on to say, Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? Or the son of man? that thou makest account of him? Why do you even take an account of me when you are such a holy God and I am such a sinful person? I know we've all heard of Darwinism, evolution, natural selection. When you think of Darwinism, when you think of evolution and that whole theory of man's origin and the purpose of man and who are we and why are we here and where are we going, this idea, this theory has been propagated throughout the world and has been 
believed by most. There is even Christians, who or they call themselves Christians, who embrace the theory of evolution. Evolution holds that you and I are just simply an accident. We're one of those whoops. It was a random act. It was a product of chemical and biological events that took place eons of time ago. Simply define evolution as the process by which all living organisms have developed from the simple, that one cell organism, from the very simple unto the vast complexity of life that we see today. Simply stated, evolution says everything came from nothing. Now stop for a minute and ponder that. Everything came from nothing. Needless to say, when you think about that theory of man's origin and who am I and why am I here and where am I going, obviously the world doesn't have the answer to that. Not only is that theory unscriptural, it's nonsensical. To think that all of the matter in all of the universe, not just this world, but think of all of the matter in all of the universe was condensed to the size of the head of a pen. And then as all the matter in all the universe was condensed and pressured into the size of the head of a pin, it exploded and threw material throughout the universe, and evolution began. Really? Paul said to Timothy, O oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, which was the Word of God. Listen to me, church, don't ever abandon the Word of God. Don't ever let someone convince you that this is not the inspired, infallible, preserved, inerrant word of the living God. It is. But science comes along. And like scientists know better than God who wrote this precious book. I think we see the whole scientific community being turned on its head when they came out with all of this global warming. Have you ever noticed we don't hear anything about global warming anymore? What do we now hear? Hmm. Doesn't the Bible say that God sets the seasons? The last I knew, the climate changes. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Listen to me, avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Not only is there fake news, but there's fake science. This is the most scientific book in all the world because the greatest scientist who brought everything into existence wrote it. Go to the source. Evolution says, who am I? You're nothing more than just an accident. You're just a whoops. You're a random product of 
chemical and biological events. Why am I here? The evolutionist says, well, if you're just a whoops, if you're just an accident, then you're here to fulfill your own fleshly desires. That's why you're here. You're nothing more than an animal. Where am I going? The evolutionist says, well, you're going nowhere but the grave. And then it's all over. God's word says, beware, lest any man spoil you. I really am amazed today how that many of our Christian young people are embracing worldly philosophy. I'm telling you, it's kind of scary. I heard just yesterday on the news how many millennials are abandoning religion altogether. Why? It's because they've been educated in that whole philosophy of Darwinism. Beware lest any man spoil you. That word spoil is an interesting word. It literally means to ruin your life. It talks about an army going in and capturing a city and taking all the spoils, everything of value, out of that city. Be careful because this world's philosophy will take everything of value out of your life and it will eventually ruin your life. If you don't believe that, just stop and look at the world. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, through vain deceit, Darwinism, and much more. After the traditions of men, the beliefs embraced by the world, after the rudiments of this world, after the elementary principles of this world, and not after Christ. Why would men exchange the truth of God for a lie? Why would man embrace this unproven and foolish, foolish idea of man's origin and his purpose in life? I'd encourage you sometime to study the life of Darwin. Raised in a Christian home, committed himself to the gospel ministry, went off to Bible college, and somewhere along the way he got tripped up. And he forsook the Lord. And developed this whole theory of evolution when he was away from God and in rebellion to God. And then you look at the end of his life and on his deathbed where he renounced all of his teachings and turned back to God. Someone has asked me, they studied Darwin's life, and they said, do you believe he was saved? He very well could have been a saved man. Well, boy, does he have a lot to answer for before the Lord. But why would someone embrace this whole idea of man's origin and man's purpose? My answer to that is the depravity of man. <clears throat> if you don't know what the depravity of man is, it's the sinfulness of man. We are sinners. And as being sinners, we love to justify our sin and condone our sin and minimize our sin and not even think about sin being sinful, much less 
to think about having to stand before a holy God and give an account of our lives and how we've lived our lives. John said, and this is the condemnation, that light, light has come into this world. God's word is light. Christ was light. Light has come into this world, but men love what? Darkness. The lie. Sinfulness. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So why has mankind embraced this whole idea of the origin of man and the purpose of man? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. I'm telling you today, our educational system hates the light. They've done everything to extinguish the light from education. Thus, we're raising a whole generation that are in darkness. I want you, are you with me today? We better just stop for a minute and think about all this. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That's why when you have someone that wants to argue the inspiration of Scripture, someone who wants to argue the existence of God, someone who wants to tell you, well, there's just all kinds of contradictions in the Bible. Those uh, Christ deniers. When it all comes down to it, you know why they do that? It's because of the sin that's in their depraved heart. The Bible said the fool... there's some of you that absolutely are paying zero attention to me right now, and do you know how hard it is for me not to call your name? When the man of God stands behind the pulpit of God and opens the Word of God, you better listen. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Why do they say that? They are corrupt. That's why they say it. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful They became vain in their imagination. Their foolish heart was darkened. Rejected the light, darkness enters their heart. Professing themselves to be what? Oh, they're good debaters. When anyone ever wants to debate with me the truth and the reality of Scripture, you know what I do? I just give them the Scriptures. But God said, but God said, but God said. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Darwinism and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-fettered beasts and creeping things, wherefore also gave them up unto uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts 
to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, and then he describes the sin of sodomy and goes into quite detail. Why do we now have the acceptance of sodomy in our society? Why do we have same-sex marriage? Why do we have sodomy even in being embraced by the church today? Because their foolish heart has become darkened. The natural man, the unsaved man, and the reason why some of this probably makes no sense to some of you here today and you have rejected this is the fact you've never truly been born again. You're just still a natural person. You're not a spiritual person. So the Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Now he's the one that's really the fool, but they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There's some things you will only understand once you become born again. The depravity of man, the sinfulness of man, explains why man gives all the wrong answers to these questions. Now next week, Lord willing, I'm going to talk about the fall of man and how the fall of man has affected every single one of us here today. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. We were shapen in iniquity and we were conceived in sin. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wicked are strange from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies. Isn't that true? We had 10 liars born into my family. Now we have 25 more grandchildren. They're all liars. You know why? Because grandma and grandpa and mom and dad were. Paul said, I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. You won't hear that kind of preaching in most pulpits today. Having their understanding dark and being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. The depravity of man explains why. This whole theory of man's origin and purpose has been embraced by the world. Salvation, regeneration. You know what regeneration means? It means to be made completely new. You know when regeneration took place in my life? When I was five years old. The Lord regenerated me and made me a new creature in Christ. It's the only hope for fallen man. We'll talk more about it next week. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. There may be someone here today, your problem is, your unbelief is, you just need to be generated by the Spirit of God. The 
Darwinism versus creationism. I guess it comes down to this. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe man? Or are you going to believe God? Based upon what you believe, your life will follow in that direction. Creationism. We are a direct creation of an almighty God who breathed into our nostrils a breath of life and we became a living soul created in the very image of that God. Moses on Mount Sinai in the giving of the law says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy servant, thy manservant or thy maidservant, by the way, that commandment has not left the Bible. This is the Sabbath. This is the Lord's day. This is His day. This isn't the day to do our own thing and to go our own way and to work. This is a day to worship and rest. Why? Because of creation. For in six days. Why do we go to church? Why do we rest on the Sabbath day? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Because we believe in a creator God who loved us and formed us and gave us life, we set this day apart for the creator, not for his creation. The Apostle John said this, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. All things were created by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The Genesis account. I believe that the account of creation is absolutely fundamental in answering who am I, why am I here, and where am I going. I believe that Genesis 1 and 2 is literal like the rest of the Bible. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them male and female. Hello. Male and female created he them. Can you believe where we've come today? Where even parents are now changing the sex of their children at very young age. 
Well, let me tell you, you cannot change your sex. Let God be true and every man a liar. Think about the difference between creationism and Darwinism. Genesis teaches that life began on dry land. Where does evolution say life began? In some swamp. And I'm all for draining the swamp. Amen. <coughs> well, you didn't begin in some swamp. Genesis declares that birds existed before insects. Evolution reverses the order. Genesis states that birds and fish were created at the same time, but evolution says no, they involve hundreds of millions of years were separated between the birds and the fish. Genesis stresses ten times that God's created creatures would produce after their kind. While evolution teaches the slow ascent of all organisms. Genesis says that Adam was made from the dust of the ground into the image of God. Evolution claims <coughs> that we descended from some sub-ape creature. If it wasn't so serious, it'd be funny. Genesis records that woman was created from the side of man. Evolution teaches that man and woman develop spontaneous at the same time. Now stop and think, how is that possible? Genesis teaches that man was originally a vegetarian. Evolution says no, man was originally a cannibal. Day one, light and darkness, day and night. Day two, division of waters. Day three, dry land, the seas, and vegetation. Day four, the sun, moon, and stars. Day five, living creatures in the water, birds in the air. Land, uh, day six, land animals, and then the creation of man. Day seventh, God rested. Not because he was tired. You can't wear God out. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Why did God rest on the seventh? The Bible clearly states as an example to all of us to do the same. We were created in the image of God. What does it mean? Again, I believe it's very important for us to understand what it means to be created in the image of God so we can figure out why are we here and what is our purpose and where are we going. So let's talk about the image of God. You know why the air just came on? Some of you are sleeping. That's why it just came on. The thermostat has evolved.
We have very smart thermostats here. They see you sleeping, they come on. The image of God. Does that mean that we were made in the physical likeness of God? It, it, it couldn't be that, that we look like God. Because the Bible says God is a spirit. The Bible says God is invisible. He is the invisible God. The Bible said God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So we don't look like God. We don't have the appearance of God. But what does it mean that we were created in the image and likeness of God? I had to really think about this for a while. Because I remember growing up in church when my dad would preach about the fact that we were created in the image of God. I just always thought that we looked like God. Because the Bible does talk about God having hands and having ears and having eyes. And the reason the Bible talks about God in that way is just so we can kind of wrap our mind around his actions. But he is a spirit. So there's some things that came to my mind. You see, maybe you agree or disagree with me. That's okay. But first, the truth is that God is a creator God. In the beginning, God created. And hasn't he made us and given us the ability to create things? Isn't it amazing what man has created? Why? Because we were made in the image of God. We have the ability to create. I thought about another truth and that is that God is a spirit. That means that man is spiritual. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. As God is spiritual, we are spiritual. We're just not physical beings. We are spiritual beings as well. Another truth about the image of God is that God communicates. <laughs> the Bible said, and God said. <clears throat> we can communicate. God has given us the gift of language. We can communicate because God is a God who communicates with us. I also thought that God is intelligent. He has all knowledge and wisdom. He is the only wise God. And so being created in the image of God, some of us have intelligence. God is relational. The Bible said he walked in the garden in the cool of the day and fellowshiped with Adam and Eve. He was relational. I have a relationship with God. Do you? And because God is a relational being, we have relationships. Because God is a moral being, because he is a holy God, because he is a righteous God, he created us to be moral beings. And one day we will stand and give an account before this holy God for our morality. Be holy, for I am holy. So when you stop to think about that, being created in the image of God, who am I? Why am I here? Use your creativity that God has given you to glorify him. Amen? Do all to the glory of God. Use your spiritual nature to seek after him. 
Use your ability to communicate, to witness and share the gospel. Use your intelligence to serve the law of God, not to serve the flesh. Use your relationships to glorify the Lord. My wife sent me a text yesterday. As you know, we're not living together right now. Um, and you know why that's the case. But she said, I was just reading this verse today. She says, remind you of anything? And the verse she was reading in her devotions was, let us exalt his name together. That was the verse that we chose for our wedding. To which I responded back to her, I hope we've done our best in our marriage to do that exact thing. Use your relationships to exalt the Lord. Use the moral nature that God has given you. Man does have a sense of right and wrong. Use that moral nature to perfect holiness in the fear of God. So now that we have answered that first question, I want to answer the second question as quickly as I can. Who am I? I'm a direct creation of an almighty God in his image. Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? Why do I exist? Why did God create me? <clears throat> Some people will say, you know what? I'm not a believer and things are going pretty well for me. I'm not a failure. I'm pretty successful in life. I don't believe all that stuff. I like this quote that I came across. To succeed at the wrong thing is still failing. Well, you may be succeeding in life, but are you succeeding in the wrong thing? We are only successful in life when we do that which God has created us to do. Did you hear me? We are only successful in life when we do that which God has created us to do. If you know your purpose in life, then you can move forward with confidence in fulfilling that, pur that purpose. How many have ever heard of the Westminster Confession of Faith? This was written back in 1646 and 1647 by a group of English and Scottish pastors and theologians. Three questions were asked. What is the chief end of man? Their answer... Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Good answer. Second question. What rule hath God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him? Answer. The Word of God, which is contained in the Scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him. Question number three. What do the scriptures principally teach? Their answer, the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty man owes to God. So the question, how do you glorify God? If the chief end of man is to Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. How do you glorify God? Listen, this is simple. By fulfilling the duties and responsibilities that God has given you. 
Have you ever noticed where we are today that no one wants to take responsibility for anything? Solomon said this, wise old Solomon said this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. My whole life, the book of Ecclesiastes is a diary of Solomon's life. It's walking with God, walking away from God, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Therefore I hated my life. At the end of his diary, this is what, he's, this is what Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter or my whole life. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. How in the world am I going to glorify God and enjoy him forever? You fear him and you keep his commandments. That's how it's done. Glorifying and pleasing the Lord. It must become our purpose in life. It must become our goal. It has to become the very reason for our existence. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy, what church? Pleasure. And for thy pleasure they are, and they were created. But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried, think of all you unmarried here today. He that is unmarried can care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. When you are unmarried, you have so much more time and freedom that you could just pour your life into video games. Excuse me, not video games. Sorry about that slip. That you could pour your life into serving the Lord. Bringing great pleasure to him. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if yet I please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Our goal in life is to please the Lord. Who am I? I'm a direct creation of a loving God who created me in his image. Why am I here? I'm here for the purpose to glorify and to please him with my life. That's it. Bottom line. Done. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It is so important for you to know your purpose in life. If we do not accomplish that which God has designed for us, we are failures. Who am I? The direct creation of an almighty God. I am not a mistake. I'm not here as a result of the product of evolution. What is my purpose in life? To glorify 
and to please him in everything <coughs> that I do. Tonight we will be observing the Lord's table and before our observance of the Lord's table, we are gonna go back to Psalm 139 and we're gonna take each one of the verses individually because that Psalm answers so clearly the question, who am I? Why am I here? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.